0: He said unto them, For they have gone in the way of Cain, ran greedily after the error of, uh, of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. Father, I'm thankful today for the privilege of being in this place. Thank you, God, for this people that you have gathered here. Thankful, Lord, for what we have heard already in your Sunday school and in the uh, music of the choir, for the blessings we've already had, and for the fact, God, that we know you love us in an undeniable way. We're going, to, we're going to worship you today as we partake of the communion that reminds us of the death that you died for sinners like us. And Father, looking forward to the day that we can look on your Son. Pray now, God, that you would refresh my mind, loosen my tongue, help me to set forth this word today, God, before your people in a way that will glorify you, edify them, and help me to do all that I can to rightly divide this word. If there's someone in here lost and undone, God, I pray, Lord, that you let them see Calvary like they've never seen it before. There's someone backslidden. God, I pray that you'd stir them and warm them, refresh them and renew them. And God, just bless us in such a way. And when we leave here today, we can say, surely it's been a good place to be. For we ask it in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said, amen. I want to talk to you today about the characteristics of an apostate. This passage that I read and you're hearing, friend, it's a, it's a notable passage and it highlights the three in all reality greatest apostates that manifested themselves on the pages of the Word of God in the Old Testament. There is one of these three by the name of Balaam, that is mentioned three times in the book of the New Testament, five in the Old. Five Old Testament books mention him, Three in the New Testament, the book of Second uh, Peter, chapter two, verse five, which makes a mention of the way of Balaam. We dealt with that last week. It had to do with being the fact that he was a prophet. Of hire. He was a Gentile. He was a unique individual. He was an enigma wrapped up in a question mark. He had talents. He had gift. He had ability. Balak said that he got him and hired him because who Balak would bless was blessed. Who Balaam uh, cursed was cursed. Uh, so he had a reputation of being somewhat of a true diviner. Now, that's one of the keys to knowing whether he was a real or a false prophet. And in my opinion, though he had a real gift, though he had a real power, though he had a head full of light, he had a heart full of darkness. He had light in his head, but no life in his heart. He had a knowledge of the God, of the Word of God, but he did not have any relationship with the God of the Word. I mean... Look, this man Balaam is a strange character. I feel more sure today that I know the truth about him than any other time that I've ever studied on him. A diviner is a foreteller. Y'all know that. He is a prognosticator. He is somebody that uh, uh, tells or tries or supposes to tell the future well, look, he may he have been right in a few guesses of his. Satan, listen, friend, can deceive in a mighty way. But I'm going to tell you, well, I like this. I'm about to get happy right here. Since God is sovereign in this, in this story about Balaam and his mule, I call her Myrtle, by the way. Do you know what? God proves to us that God is sovereign and he can use whoever he wants to get his word across. I never will forget learning when I first got called to preach. If God could use a mule, he could use me. Amen. Now, y'all may think I'm Shelly, but I'm telling you, I was happy when I heard about that. And I want you to know something. This man, though he, look, he had abilities, remarkable ability. He knew even enough, and we're going to find when we get to, whether it's this week or next week, to the doctrine of him, he knew how to get God to chastise his people how to corrupt them. Have you heard me say that? Say amen. And because they were his people, and though they sinned against him, God chastised them. We're going to see some good things today, but boy, look, Balaam is a unique character. I mean to tell you, God used him to set Forth his word. But I want to correct something that I said last week. I said Og was, was a man that had six fingers and six toes. It wasn't Og. It was a it was a it was a, a man that was a part of, of Goliath's family. But but Og was a big man. He had a bed that was like fourteen foot long and sixteen feet or six feet wide. That's a pretty good, fell, is it not? He was nine cubits tall. That's pretty good, about fourteen feet high. I'd hate to meet up with him, wouldn't you? So he was a big man. He was a big man. So turn with me, if you will, as I say a couple more things to uh, re- rehearse back to the book of Numbers. In chapter 1 of the book of Jude, as you already know, Jude only has one chapter. And turn to Numbers 22, by the way. We have the heir of Balaam highlighted in Jude's prophecy about the apostate of the last day. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 14, we read about the doctrine of batim, and we'll get to these all in good time and in good season. In chapter twenty, in chapter 22, I want to read maybe the first seven verses. All right, so just bear with me. We've got time. I'll get done sometime. I'll just say it that way. And the children of Israel set forward, verse 1 of chapter 22 of the book of Numbers, in the plains and pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. He had heard about what Israel did to Og and to Shion and how that they had absolutely whipped up on them. They wanted to pass through the country. They said, look, if you just let us pass through, we, we'll just go on a straight way. We'll follow the king's highway. We won't get into any of your fields, any of your grave. We won't get any water out of your wells. And all was dumb enough to say no, or shy on, or both of them came out against them, and they fought. God gave them the victory. How many of y'all glad we got victory over our enemies? Say amen right there. He said, and Moab was afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now shall this country lick up all that are round about us, and the ox as the ox lick, licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers there uh, for unto Balaam, the son of Beor, of, of, to Pethor. Well, that's a hard to read. Uh, which is by the river, the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people. Now watch this phrase. You don't have it marked you ought to if you mark your Bible. There is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth and they abide over against us. Come now, therefore, I pray thee. Curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land. For I want or know that he whom thou blessest is blessed. He whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midianite departed with the rewards of divination. That is an indicator he was a false prophet. He was a prophet of hire. He was willing to sell his gift, friend, to make a profit, to please whomever had the money. Do you know what that sounds like? What Paul said in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he said, look, there'd come a day when they would not heed sound doctrine self-teachers having itching ears, churches are getting pastors of that day, ensure them that they'll preach what they want and not what they need. Listen to me. I don't come here to entertain you. I come here by the grace of God to edify you. I wondered how many people yesterday, Josh is a pastor, or on Friday, got a hold of their staff and did a production meeting on what they were going to do Sunday morning on the On the stage. They no longer call this the pulpit area. They call it the stage. How many of y'all knew that? They call it the stage. They wanted us to answer the question when they came here for our sound system. Well, do you want us to also include a light show uh, a component with smoke? I said, no, dude, we're a church. We're not a nightclub. We come here to worship the Lord. Amen. Amen. To learn how to live for Him. He asked me more than, more than once about that. And he's a good man, but he's realistic. He's realistic. So Balaam, friend, was a prophet of higher. Now, higher, not hard. Sounded to come from Boone County. Um, in chapter 22, if you read it, It's a great chapter. You'll find, friend, that, uh, that God has a great sense of humor. I, I, can't, I can't go by this without saying it. I, I just find it so funny, so very funny, that Balaam can start talking to his mule that started talking to him like it's an everyday occurrence. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? And let me say it again that mule had more spiritual discernment than what Balaam did. He was so blinded by covetousness. He was so blinded by that house of gold and silver that he hoped to get from Balaam that he sounds like in what he says, well, I wouldn't come if he'd give me a house of gold and silver. You know why he said that? Because that was what's on his heart. It's exactly what he was hoping to get. And God told him, he said, now listen. Listen, look at what he said. Look at what he said in verse 12 of 22, and God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people. Read with me the next words, for they are blessed. Read it again, for they are blessed. Now, we got to remember that. we got to understand that's important to this whole message, friend. And God convinced him, he said, listen, Balaam. He said, you can go, but this is what you better do. You better tell them what I tell you. God is able, friend, to get his word across even if he uses a man by the name of Caiaphas. How many of you remember Caiaphas? Say amen. You know what he was? He was one of the two high priests in Israel when Jesus was on planet earth. And God used him to prophesy when he says it's imperative that one perish lest the whole nation perish. It's more more important for one man to die than the whole nation. Nation to perish. I'm telling you, God can use whoever and whomever and whatever He chooses to get His word across. So, as we step out of chapter 22, and there's so much in there that I didn't touch last week, I cannot touch this week. We get down to chapter 23. But look, look at the latter part of verse 41, and Balak in chapter 22. And Balaam took Balaam and brought him to the high places of Baal that thence he might see the utmost parts of the people. There the children of Israel was. At least two million, and I think more, that had come out of Egypt. They were a new generation, if you will. Their parents had died. Everybody had come out of Egypt over the age of 20, had died. And they were now ready to poise themselves to cross over in that land of promise, that land that flowed with milk and honey. And there they were. Man, they were a big bunch. Do you hear me? They covered a lot of land. And when Balak began to look at them, he got frightened, totally frightened. But he was smart. He said, you know what I think I'll do? I'll just let Balaam see a part of them." Listen to what he says over in verse, in verse uh, where's that, verse 10 of chapter 23. Who can count the dust of Jacob, the number of the fourth part of Israel. In the, first, in the first time that Balak took Balaam to the first place to get him to curse the people of God, that's what Balaam said, only saw a part of them, only saw a quarter of them. That's what Balak thought, man, if I don't get him to see just how big and how great they are, surely he'll curse them. And God said, no, you won't. God said, no, you won't. Let me tell you what goes on in this chapter either at three. I know three places for sure and maybe back up if you include what was happening in the last part of chapter 22. There could be four places that they went and offered sacrifice. Now here's why I say Balaam knew some things. Balaam said, here's what we do, Balak, when we get there, I want you to build seven altars and I want you to take seven bullocks and seven rams. You offer one bullock and one ram on each on each altar. And those were pristine or not pristine, they were premier sacrifices to offer to God. Were they not? I mean, when you went to a bullock, it wasn't a cheap offering. A bullock generally went as a whole burnt offering. It was all given to God. There was nothing left over the priest or the offerer. It was all burnt up, consumed by the fire. And Balak... He had paid him good money. He had promised him a good payday if he would just take that opportunity to curse the children of the Lord. But look here what he said in verse 4 of chapter 23. And God met Balaam. And he said to him, I have prepared seven altars. I have offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. Look at verse 5. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. Isn't that amazing? He put a word in in Balaam's mouth listen friend when Balaam began to look and even when Balak look hang on when Balak looked at the nation of Israel Balak was right about them. before I say anything else how many of y'all think you know what I mean by that say amen this simply means this. When Balak looked at the children of Israel, he was right in his conception and perception of them. They were not a perfect people. They did have sin in the camp. Did y'all get that? What's my next word? Anybody got any idea of what my next word will be? You're right on. But, and I'll highlight what that but is in just a little bit. Balaam didn't understand something. Balaam did not understand something. But they were right. Everybody look around this congregation. Who took a who took number today? How many we got? 159. 159. By the way, hold on to yourself. Grab your heart. Elizabeth, you're on your way. You're not perfect either. There is none righteous in their self. No, not one. We have the righteousness of God imputed to us. But wait just a minute. Listen to me what that means. That does not make us righteous. That just declares us to be. Big difference. Big difference. You see, now that I'm justified... I have by a judicial act of God in light of what Jesus did for me at Calvary. And because I put my faith and trust in Him, He can declare me righteous before Himself, a holy God, while I'm still yet in my sin. Amen. Amen. Somebody ought to get up and take a lap or two on that one. They were right. The nation of Israel had, they had that, Serpent that was put on a pole just in chapter twenty-one. On how many days, weeks, months ahead of that? And they had already begun worshiping it and given had given it the name the Houston. Verse twelve of chapter twenty-two. Thou shalt not curse the people. For they are blessed. How many of you? I told you it's an important verse. Thou shalt nurse. Well, wait a minute, preacher. They had sin in the camp. Yeah, they did. But I got news for you. There's a but. Took him to the next place. Offered up on seven altars, seven bullocks, seven rams. Look at verse 13 and following. Look at verse 16. And the Lord met with Balaam and put a word in his mouth. Now watch this. He said in verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said and he shall not do it, or hath he spoken and shall he not... I make it good. Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Now look at verse 21. Everybody's verse 21. Say amen. amen. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Look up here. Look. I'm going to say something real theological. Are you ready? Wow. Man, we ought to shout about that. What do you think? God sees when He sees me and you. He sees His Son. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. And you cannot be saved if Christ is not in you and you are not in Christ. And when he sees me, now that I'm in Christ, he sees his son. Amen. That's why he can bless me in spite of who I am and what I am. Amen. Woo! Hey, man. He cannot. Now, listen to me. It's not that it's not there. It's not that God is lying. It's not that God is just making something up. There's a bug here I'm going to get to. Something's already happened that takes care of all that. Well, Balak was disappointed again. Listen to what he said in verse 22. He said, for God brought them out of Egypt. That's the second time he said that. And I believe if I can find my notes, maybe there's another time. Let me back up and get verse 11. Is is that that it? Chapter Chapter 22. There's the people come out of Egypt in verse 11. I forgot to get that on the other side. Three times in two chapters that is mentioned. Hey, significant. Important. There's a message in that. But let's get to this and I'm going to get done. Took him to another place. The second place, he saw more of the children of Israel than he had. But Balak took him to the, uh, to the third place. I may already be ahead of myself. There it is. In, uh, is that it? Yeah, in verse 2 of chapter 24, and Balaam lifted up his eyes and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes and the Spirit of God came upon him. Got one more time to give you four things in three chapters. I forgot about this one. He had taken him to the third place, seven altars, seven rams, seven bullocks. And Balaam thought, sure, Balak thought, surely... By now, Balaam can curse this people when he sees all of them and he sees them as they really are. You know, you know how they were? They were lumps of clay. They were fallen creatures. You know what I'm persuaded to believe? They had more, they had more sin in them than the idolatry of, of that Nehustan, that, that brazen serpent upon that pole that had brought salvation to all of them that looked just a few chapters before, but read with me if if you will. I'm gonna pick it up in verse 3. And he took up his parable. And Balaam said, and Balaam, the son of Beor, has said, The, the man whose eyes are opened has said. He has said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling to a trance, but having his eyes open. How goodly are the tent uh, thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel, as the valleys are they spread forth as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of line aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the waters out of his bucket, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. For the fourth time, God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath has as a word the strength of a unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, and his enemies shall break their bones and peace, uh, and pierce them through with arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, as a great lion, who shall stir him up. Blessed is he that blesses thee, and blessed is he that curseth thee. And Balak was astounded. He said unto Balaam, look at verse 10 I called thee to curse thine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. He said, what's up with that? Remember, Balak told Balaam, and said, look, I can't speak anything other than what God says for me to speak. And God told him, let me give it to you again, I, this is one of the greatest passages in the Word of God. It's the key to this. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Let me ask you the question, and I'm going to get done with this message. What made them blessed? God had blessed them, had they not? Had he not? But there were two reasons that they were blessed. How many of you know God is holy? Say amen. Righteous, say amen. Just say amen. Job asked a question millennium ago. How can a man be just with God? The question is simply. How can a holy God Have any kind of relationship with a sinful man? One way, through what Jesus did at Calvary. Job, in chapter 9, verse 33 of the book that bears his name, cried out, If only I had a daysman! Can I tell you when Jesus was suspended between the heaven and the earth, I believe he wretched out, got a hold of the hand of Almighty God, wretched out, got the hand of the sinful man, and there the cross became an altar where he became a sacrifice as a high priest offered himself to God, brought sinful man and holy God together and allowed a God who was just to justify the sinner by grace through faith. In the finished work that he was doing at Calvary. I can't preach any better to y'all than what I'm doing right now. The Bible says that he is just. And the justifier. God will never sacrifice his holiness, his righteousness, his justice. They must be satisfied. And they are satisfied not in what we do and what he's done for us My radio ministry over in Boone County, a little five-minute program I've had for better than 34 years now. I've been, I've been dealing with the fundamentals of the faith. And I dealt this past, whether well, it's the next two weeks, I just, I just recorded the program, and I dealt with the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. You see, potentially, Jesus died for every man, woman, boy, girl, that has lived his living and never will live but in reality only died for the many. Like you said in the book of Isaiah, 53, 11, 53, 12. The word many is in each of those verses. Everybody can be saved. If you believe that, say amen. It's sad to say. See, this breaks my heart. I guess I'm guess i sick right now in my stomach. Not everybody will be. Not because they can't be. God has made a plan of salvation so simple that He said allow or suffer little children coming and forbid them not. It's so simple that whosoever's called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's so simple that thou shalt believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's so simple that he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. It's simple. And yet people, in light of what Jesus did at Calvary, are going to die lost and go to hell. And they shouldn't have to do that. But, God knew what Balaam and Balak didn't know. I was going to turn this one. I'm going to. Y'all can read it some other time on you. Four times I made the reference to the fact that the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Now, Egypt is a type of the world. If y'all agree with that, say amen. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is a type of Satan. If you agree with that, say amen. How did God release his people from the bondage of Egypt? By the shed blood of an innocent lamb. I say glory! Hallelujah. Amen. God said, Moses, time to bring the children of Israel out. They've been here over 400 years. Here's what I want you to do in chapter 12 of the book of, of Exodus, which means redemption, the book of redemption. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Redemption is always accomplished by two things, power and blood. By the power of God and the blood of the Lamb. Two things always. We don't redeem ourselves. We're not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold received in the vain traditions of the Father, but by the precious blood of the Lamb without spot and without blemish. It's the work that He's done, not that we do. He said, what I don't want you to do. He said, Most you tell the children of Israel, you put them, you tell them to get them a lamb. Every family a lamb. If your family be too little, go to your neighbor and say, look, let's eat this thing together. If you watch the progression down there, it's the lamb, it's a lamb, it's your lamb. Or it's a lamb, the lamb, and your lamb. You've got to make this thing personal. You've got to see Calvary. Listen, not that Jesus just dying for the world, but He's dying for you. And you've got to see it deeper and see Jesus not only dying for you, but as you. So once you get you a lamb without spot and blemish. Put it up on the 10th day. Keep it the 14th. And you you slay it that evening. You catch its blood in the basin. You get you a little bit of twig of hyssop. And you go to the door of all your houses where you live. Put that hyssop in that basin of blood. And you strike it on the doorposts and on the lintel. And he said, look, the death angel is going to pass through here tonight. I wouldn't doubt if that was the Lord himself. And upon every house that I see, I'll pass over it. Hence the Passover. And everybody that's in that house under the blood. <laughs> under the blood. Going to take you out of Egypt. Y'all know what happened? They got in the land of the wilderness of sin. Went by Sinai, crossed the Dead Sea. Y'all know that? Been eaten on manna. Been eating quail. A lot of them died. But you know what they did? They began to mummer again. Surprise, surprise. Don't be too critical. We do a lot of that ourselves. In chapter 21, you'll find that they mumbered over this light bread. They were eating angels' food. Angels' food. I'll tell you what, a Christian can find the stupidest things to complain over if I've ever seen in my life. And I don't use that word stupid lightly either. Eating something from heaven and said, our soul loathed this light bread. Anyway, you know what happened? God said, okay. He sent fiery serpents among them, did he not? They began to die. When they began to die, they began to try to Moses. Moses, you want to do something. You've got to go and intercede before us to God. Moses went to God and God said, I'll tell you what you do, Moses. You get you a pole and you make a a brazen image because brass is a type of of judgment. It's a picture of judgment. You make a brazen image of that serpent. You put it upon a pole, lift it up, and everybody looks to it and live. But Balaam didn't know. Balaam didn't know that they had come out of Egypt under the blood, and that they had already come by the cross of Christ. But God told Balaam, you can't bless whom I have cursed. Glory! That don't seem to impress you all, but it does me. How many of y'all have been by Calvary? Say amen. How many of y'all have had the blood applied to you? Say Amen. Satan can't touch you. Say amen to that. And somebody ought to say glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, sis. Are y'all getting this? Do I have to go on and explain it anymore? What that means? Now here's the error of Balaam. Balaam was guilty of doing what we are guilty of doing. We reason on a natural level. God's not a man. I read that to you and you're hearing. God's not trying to reason like we do. He's trying to bring us up so we can learn to reason like He does. Now, do you know what? Listen. When you begin to think about what Balaam was reasoning, and I'm about done with my message, by the way. I'm not done preaching. I'm just about done with my message. Do you know what he was doing? He was looking at things on a very natural Level. And he was equating the fact that if sinners sin, they got to pay for that sin. Is that logical? Isn't that true? Okay, how many of you are saved? Say amen. Amen. Since Christ died, you don't have to. How many of you are happy about that? Say amen. amen. How many of you ever heard of the Fifth Amendment? Well, let me rephrase that. How many of you know what's in the Fifth Amendment? There's a statement about double jeopardy. See, I'm about to, I'm doing flip-flop. I'm up here turning a back flip in my mind. Double jeopardy says this, a man cannot be tried for the same crime twice. Okay, now listen to the logic that. Listen, where do you all think they got the idea of double jeopardy when... The men that were forefathers of our nation set the Constitution up and also the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. But I'm just talking about the amendments now. Where do you think they got that idea from? They didn't get it from mankind. They got it from somebody higher than mankind. They got it from a a God who was guiding them to set up the greatest nation ever known on planet Earth outside of the nation of Israel. He said you can't try a man twice for the same crime. I don't know where y'all getting it yet, but I'm hoping you do. I'm going to explain this though. How many of you believe that Jesus died for you? Say amen. So we don't have to die again. How many of you believe when Jesus died, shed his blood? His blood cleanses us from all sin, just like the Word of God says. Say amen. amen. He died, so I don't have to. God teaches in His Word, double jeopardy. Now wait just a minute. What if I do sin? Oh, God's got a way to take care of that. How many of you have ever been chastised by the Lord? You ought to say, bless the holy name of Jesus. I'm telling you. He whom, he whom the Father loves is chastised. That's a poor quote. Hebrews 13, how's that go, Josh? Anyway, if you're a son of God, you're going to be chastised. Not if you sin, everybody heard me say that, say amen, but when you sin. You're saying, oh, wait just a minute, preacher, I'm offended at, how can you say that? I'll go, all right, go with me, book of John. Chapter 1, only verse verse 7, verse 9. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses from all sin. If we say, have no sin, we're a liar. and uh, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to, cleanse from all, to, to forgive us of all sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John goes on in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. These things are right into the sin not but if or since or in light of the fact that any man sin. We have an advocate of the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins, not for our own, who sins for sins the whole world. God's done took care of that. Amen. At Pentecost, two loaves of bread, two loaves of bread were made and baked in an oven. Two loaves of bread, speaking of the Jews and the Gentiles coming together to form some new thing called the church. In those bread offerings, in those loaves of bread, God told the children of Israel to do something amazing. You know what he told Him to do? He said, you make them with leaven in it. How many of y'all been saved? Say amen. Amen. Y'all realize you're still a sinner? You still realize you got the old nature in you? I was shocked after I got saved to realize that my old man wasn't dead. You talk about man getting depressed. I got so depressed I couldn't hardly stand it. I thought, man, I got it made now here. I'm this new creature in Christ. Glory to God. You know what I've learned over the years when my old man seems like he's dead, I just realize he's been to the gym working out. (laughs) He comes back as a fury. I'm just being honest with you all. Balaam was reasoning that if they sin, God's got to judge them. He already has in Christ at Calvary. Now, folks, I'm telling you, this is good. You see, there's a higher righteousness than man's righteousness. There's a higher logic. And Balaam didn't get it. Neither did Balak. And look, folks, I'm gonna tell you the truth for a long time when I first saved I didn't get it. I I I just I didn't get it. But y'all can check me out anywhere you want to in the Word of God. You'll find that what I'm preaching to you is true this morning go to one place really quick and I'm going to quit the book of Romans I'll let you take this home I'll wrap this up give it an altar call and we'll continue in our in our service and take our communion chapter 8 of the book of Romans now listen I learned something words are important there was a day that I lived under condemnation But since I have been saved, I've never been condemned since that day. Did y'all get that? Now, I get convicted, but I can no longer be condemned. You say, why? Because before I was saved, I had the sentence of death upon me. Now that I've trusted Christ as my Savior, He's already died for me, so I don't have to die. This is what the Word of God teaches Romans 8 and 1 begins, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, say amen. There's no condemnation against you. Been taken care of through Christ. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 31 through 34. Chapter 8 of Romans, 31 through 34. What shall we Say to these things, if or since or in light of the fact that God be for us, who can be against us? Here's the answer: no one, or no thing. Here's why: He that spared not His Son, deliver Him up for us all. How shall not? How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who, he asked, shall I lay anything, anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen, who is even to the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Let me say this about that. The reason Christ is there making intercession for us is because we're sinners. And because we fail, because we miss the mark, he, he died to save us. Now listen to this. This is in Romans 3. I could turn there. But He lives to keep us saved. Now everybody look up here. Look up here. At me. Everybody look up here. We ought to live like we are saved. We don't have a license to sin. Everybody heard me say that? Say amen. But I guarantee you, you live long enough, you'll sin. Maybe a little sin. Maybe a big sin, but I guarantee there's nobody in here that's perfect that's perfect. Stay with your head bowed, nobody looking around.